Good morning. Anybody know what this is? That's the Bill Johnson anointing. I don't even like mineral water at all. This, this is how much faith I have. I feel like I need to tell some jokes and buy more, uh, buy more Apple products. If you guys don't know who Bill Johnson is, that was not funny. So we can talk later. I'll fill you in. But it's good to be with you this morning. Hey, um, there's going to be there's going to be some uh, notes and uh, references. A lot of Bible today, which is fun. Um, but it, but uh, there's a lot of different verses. So I apologize. There's not like a handout for you. But grab some paper from Sherry Gordon because she has some. Or you can gra- you can write down on the uh, prayer card in front of you. Um, we used to use those when we were kids to pass notes. But now y'all just text each other. Um, so those are there with pencils if you want to write some, some of this stuff down because I'm going to throw a lot at you. Um, but it's, uh, it's good stuff. So um, let's pray and then, and then we'll get into it. So Holy Spirit, we, we just continue to say welcome and come. Especially into this time, Lord, would you open our ears, open our eyes, Lord. Father, that you would clear a path from our brain to our heart. Father, that we wouldn't just try to absorb knowledge or, or even, even slip into worshiping knowledge, or, but, Father, that we would truly yield our hearts. Father, that the information that you want to, to use to change uh, deep-rooted things inside of us, it has to enter our ears somewhere. Lord, you said in your word, how will, how will they hear unless someone tells them? It comes in through our ears, it comes through our eyes, it comes through our senses, but it's got to land somewhere, so don't let it just stay in between our ears, Father God, let it let it make uh, let it make that eighteen inch miracle mile down there to our heart, Lord. Father, we just love you this morning. We're so thankful for your word. So thankful for our family here at River in the Hills. So thankful for the body of Christ. So Lord, we continue to just uh, just run down the the highway to heaven, Lord, with, through giving thanks and through offering praises to you, even in this time right now when we open your word in Jesus' name, Amen. All right, so um, Kaylee, my wife, uh, had a couple dreams this week. She dreams a lot, um, and uh, which is really cool. It's fun for me because I get to read everything that she writes down, you know, about her dreams and stuff. And every once in a while, the Lord trusts me with a dream, also. So, um, but anyways, she uh, she had three in one night. One of them, I'm not going to tell you. Uh, it doesn't pertain to what I'm talking about today. But two of them, I'm not going to tell you either, but the point of them, um, <laughs> the point of them, sorry, I didn't mean to like build up your expectation and let you down. Hey, we have donuts. No, we don't have donuts. Um, but really, the, the, the interpretation, as we read them and kind of prayed through them, the interpretation was the Lord was, was showing Kaylee specifically, but then me indirectly also, that uh, we need to set ourselves up to live unoffended. And, uh, and so the dreams were wild, and if you knew anything about Kaylee's family, you'd be like, whoa, but you don't, so that's why I'm not going to tell you. And so it's, it's really, but it's really cool, though, because when the Lord, when the Lord you, you remember when Joseph had dreams, Joseph had dreams about his, his calling, his future, and, but they were different dreams, but they all had the same interpretation, remember? And he shares them with people and talk about being uh, unoffended. His brothers were a little offended, and um, it didn't go well for him, but then it went really well for him. So, um, 
Anyways, I love dreams. So we, we started listening more to the Lord. Lord, what do you mean, unoffended? You know, and um, that's what I'm going to talk about today. Uh, the, the message is living unoffended. Don't spill the new wine. So that same day, a friend of mine from California, whom I trust uh, immensely and who I've mentioned many times in sermons before, he sends me a text message. And he's like, hey, I just want to catch up on a few things. So when a text message is preceded by that line, just get ready to scroll, right? <laughs> the text was long. I was like, geez. Um, and so, but anyways, he lays out a bunch of dreams that he's had, some heavy next level stuff. And at the end, he goes, he goes I really feel like the Lord's telling us that we need to figure out how to live unoffended so we don't spill the new wine. And I was like, yeah, that's probably true. And so anyway, so I was like, well, that's, uh, I mean, and, and really it was a word, it was a word for me, it was a word for Kaylee, but it's a word for all of us. So I hope we can all receive it today uh, and that we don't do this in our hearts, right? So um, you can do that with your arms. I don't care. It was funny <laughs> before I get into today. Here's my joke. Here's my, this is what the Pellegrino did. Um, one of the, it was funny that one of the, um, when I first started preaching, not here, um, but I, there was a complaint that came through about me, and um, which I was like, never mind. But um, <laughs> don't be offended. <laughs> I was offended. No, but, but here's what the complaint: the complaint was very religious in nature, and I've, I've forgiven whoever it was. I told the person who told me it was a leader. I said, "Do not tell me who complained about that ever. Don't ever tell me because I don't want to know because I didn't trust myself not to get bitter at the person." And uh, but it, their complaint was that I rolled up my sleeves when I uh, when I preached so, because how arrogant, you know. And so I just so now I just cut the sleeves off of all my shirts. And no, kidding. It was just a joke. So just, you know. All right, let's get into the real stuff. If you, you can open your Bibles to these passages if you want, but I really suggest you just follow along on the screen since there's going to be so many of them. I want to talk today about uh, new wine. So if you've been in church for any period of time, you've probably heard that phrase, new wine. And if you don't know what it is, you're probably real frustrated. When you, when you hear these words and terms, especially when they're prophetic in nature, when people start to say, oh, it's the, oh he's pouring out the new wine, oh, it's oil, oh, and you're just like, man, they're in some cloud, and I don't, get, I don't understand where they're at, and this is just over my head. Like, I, under, I understand. Like, that's, that's a, real, a real thing that happens in church. And so just, uh, just going to go over a little bit and just talk to you about what the prophetic meanings, there's a lot of prophetic meanings in, in scripture about new wine. What is new wine? We sing about it. There's a hill song. It's got a great song. About it. Some of you have sung it. Oh, he's bringing new wine. I don't even know what new wine is. Right? And you're, and, but, it's, but it's good and it's catchy. So, um, so follow along with me here. I'm going to just give you, I think I have nine um, different different uh, things that new wine refers to based on scripture. One of them, uh, I don't actually have a verse for, but you can't argue with me because what I say is true. So, um, but anyways, the first one is that new wine refers to the Holy Spirit. Okay, so Ephesians 5.8 says, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery, but instead be filled with the Spirit. So actually the scripture says, scripture talks about the Holy Spirit being even a replacement for wine that would get you drunk. Okay. And I'm, yeah, that's good. Wine refers to the Holy Spirit. Um, number two, uh, new wine, the term new wine, prophetically, just, it refers to renewed love and intimacy with God. 
Song of Solomon 1, 4 says, Take me away with you. Let us hurry. Let the king bring me into his chambers. We rejoice and delight in you. We will praise your love more than wine. How right they are to adore you. When we talk about new wine being poured out, it, it can signify a new, meaning a deeper and more intimate relationship and, and love relationship with the Father, right? With Jesus as friend. That's, that's one of the things that it can, it can refer to and mean. Number three, new wine can refer to trials giving way to joy, right? There's probably some verses that I could have thrown at this, but here's, here's where this comes from. Do you guys know how, how wine is made? Yeah. Crushing. Crushing. Wow. You have to crush the... And back then it was, you know, you drunk foot wine, right? <laughs> and, and I mean, it, it was, it's harsh. You have these beautiful grapes on the vine and you're like, all right, you take them and you put them in a big vat and you just crush them. <laughs> but then what comes out of it is awesome. And how many of you know there's no mistakes in Scripture that God doesn't pick metaphors and analogies and all these things by accident, okay? When you talk about the body of Christ, that's a, that's a metaphor that's timeless. When, you talk, when he talks about water metaphors and tree metaphors and earth metaphors, all these, they're timeless. It's the same as wine. Wine's always been around and probably always be around. You have to make it the same way with grapes, unless it's strawberry wine. Don't start singing the song. It's already in my head, so don't sing it. Okay, number four. New wine refers to the time for the harvest. Deuteronomy eleven fourteen says, Then I will send rain on your land, and in its season, both autumn and spring rains, so that you may gather in your grain new wine and olive oil. I love that when we talk about the harvest, even, even the harvest prophetically, we're talking about the harvest of souls. Okay, we're talking about lost people becoming found people. We're talking about people that are distant, far, and separated from God becoming one with the Lord. Okay, we're talking about salvation. And so new wine being poured out can actually refer to the harvest of souls. Number five, new wine brings celebration. Okay, John chapter two, I'll refer to this a little bit later, but John chapter two is when Jesus is at the wedding and he turns water into wine. Okay, it's awesome. I'm going to talk about it later in a little bit of a different context, but I'm not going to read the entire story to you. It's a great story. It's funny. Where's Grace? Oh, she's with the kids. I think she mentioned it this morning in pre-service prayer. She's like, oh, or that was John 4. I'm sorry. But anyways, so um, yeah, Jesus, Jesus is at a wedding that he's invited to, and they run out of wine, and Mary's like, do whatever he tells you. And she's, he's like, woman, it's not my time. And, and, and she doesn't say anything because she's already made her peace. And he goes and turns water into wine. So uh, it brings celebrate. And everyone was impressed that they had saved the best wine for last after everybody was already tipsy. So um, anyways, brings celebration. Number six, is this making sense? Number six, new wine needs new wineskins. Matthew 9, 17 uh, says, neither do people pour wine into old wineskins. If they do, the skins will burst. The wine will run out and the wineskins will be ruined. No, they pour new wine into new wineskins and both are preserved. This is in the context of John the Baptist's disciples walking up to Jesus and saying, how come your disciples don't fast? We fast all the time. Basically, they're mad because they're hungry and the other people are feasting. And, and they say, and, and, and basically, basically, Jesus is like, when the bridegroom's among you, you, you don't mourn. So like, but there'll be a time when they'll fast. 
And, and we know even that when we expand all that out, all that information, they're going to do way more than fast. Right? They give their lives for the gospel. But the context here is, is you, don't, you don't tear a piece of new cloth and sew it on a hole on an old garment because as soon as that new cloth shrinks, it's just going to tear the old garment. Well, same thing here. A wineskin, if it was all dried out, if it was an old wineskin and you put new wine into it and all of a sudden it starts, I mean, it's a crack, that wine's just going to flow right through all those cracks. He says, you don't do that. You put it in a new wineskin. So the new wine, when it's poured out, has to be poured out into a new wineskin or else it will spill. Number seven, new wine means that God's promises are being fulfilled. Deuteronomy 33, 28 says, So Israel will live in safety. Jacob will dwell secure in the land of grain and new wine where the heavens drop dew. This is in the context of God promising a, a future uh, a future outpouring for his people, and, he, and referring here to the promised land, right? And so it's, it can signify, when we talk about new wine being poured out, can signify the coming promises or, or coming fulfillment of promises of God, okay? And all the promises are what? Yes and amen. Yes and amen. That's good. Number eight, it signifies miracles, okay? Signs and wonders, John 2.10, this is in the context of the wedding feast where we just talked about it. It says, everyone brings out the choice wine first and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink, but you saved it the best till now. I love that, that Jesus always saves the best for when it's needed the most. And that's just, that's just who he is. So when we talk about new wine being poured out, it can be talking directly about miracles, signs, wonders, healing, deliverance, raising the dead, casting out demons. Okay, these, this, is, this is in that same verbiage, in that same prophetic picture, okay? And number nine. Number nine, we need to consider the source of the new wine, okay? Luke twenty two twenty says, in the same way after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is a new, Jesus takes the cup and says, this cup is a new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you, okay? Only through the blood of Jesus is every other benefit that's symbolized by new wine available to us, okay? If we don't have the blood of Jesus, we don't have one through eight. Does that make sense? The blood of Jesus, and you're like, why'd you save it till number nine? Well, because that's how I am. But if we, if, we do, if we forget to consider the source of the new wine, the source of what I'm gonna sum up here in just a second is the new wine, then we will miss every benefit. We don't have access to every benefit that is described by new wine in scripture. To sum it up, in my opinion, this is Nate's definition, new wine refers to the current new move of God in his kingdom. What he's doing, what he's saying now, it involves many things. Worship, I mean, we didn't even talk about worship. We, I mean, there's, there's so many facets to this, but the bottom line is that new wine is about his new move in his kingdom, wow. what he's doing. Wow. So what in the world does it have to do with us? It's a good question, Nate. Thank you for asking it. I believe that if we don't actively set ourselves up to be unoffended, that we will spill the new wine, yeah. meaning that we will reject or flat out miss wow. the new thing that God is doing. We have to actively hear that word, 
actively search our hearts, pray, fast, inquire of others, inquire of the Lord. We have to yield to God in all things, especially when he begins to do something new so that we won't be offended. I promise you that you're probably your flesh, no, not probably, definitely your flesh's imposition is to be offended at new things and things that are changed. That's your flesh, okay? Notice I did not say sin nature. I don't think you have two natures. But your flesh is definitely, the default is, is offense. And so you have to actively make sure that you're walking in the spirit and hearing the Lord because when you see something that's new, your flesh is going to say, no, wrong, new, change, wow. not the way that I had it in my mind, not the way I'm comfortable with, not the way I was taught in Sunday school, <laughs> okay? That's, all those red flags are going to go up. Wow. And if we're not in tune with what the Holy Spirit's doing, when we set ourselves up to be offended, offense shuts our eyes and closes our ears, yeah. and we can miss things that are standing right in front of us. See the Pharisees, okay? I promise you, because I, I, I'm, and I'm speaking from experience, okay, that if you have an old wineskin or an old way of thinking, an old box or paradigm, uh, the way that the Lord, now God doesn't change, but the way he deals with his people changes, okay? We see that in scripture. If we have an old wineskin, old paradigm, an old view about how God uh, does things, then you'll spill the new wine. That's what Matthew says. You can't put new wine in, new wi- in old wineskins and expect it to keep. It just doesn't work, so... I'm going to give you a few examples here um, of where offense happened. In the life of Jesus, okay, so these are, these are not theory. I also didn't use any of the parables, just in case someone was going to argue with me. Yeah, it's a parable. That's okay. I use these real-life situations here. The life of Jesus. When he turned water into wine at the end of the wedding, I bet you that offended some people. I bet you it did. I bet you when they drank it, they went, where was this at the beginning? Wow. 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 That uh, and it had been really easy to miss the fact that he just turned buckets of water into wine. Wow. Yeah, I know, but why didn't he do it earlier? Wow. <laughs> when he cast seven demons out of Mary and then made her part of his entourage, I bet you that that offended a lot of people. I bet you that offended. As a matter of fact, Mary offended, offended a lot of people in a lot of different ways. I'm going to mention another one in a minute. That's why, that's why she's so famous. He cast seven demons out of Mary, made her a, one of his closest counterparts with the, with the apostles, and then I bet you that people were offended. When Mary Bethany anointed Jesus, cleaned his feet with her hair, I know that Martha was offended. I know that the disciples were offended. But I bet it offended everyone in that room. Yep. Not only that, not only what was happening between a female and a male, between a servant and a master, between an, uh, a person who had been <laughs> healed of so much wrong yeah. and the person who had never done any wrong, not only that aspect, but the aspect that there was stuff to get done in the house. There was a, there was a to-do list. Mm. There was a pre- she needed help. And Jesus wasn't saying like, hey, let's get up and help Martha. He was actually honoring what was happening, the disruption, the offense. That offended people. 
But I'll tell you who didn't miss what was happening in that moment. You know who? Mary. And now here we are talking about it because the Bible said we would. Every time it was mentioned, we'd mention her. When Jesus sat next to the woman at the well and prophesied over her, and the disciples walked up on that happening, I bet that offended some people, like them. When she went back and started telling her family members, now we know the story went really well. Her whole family gets saved and stuff, but I, I, I just imagine that when she went back and said, hey, this Jewish guy just sat next to me and told me everything about my life, and that there were some people that went, he did what? <laughs> Who did what? Now, Holy Spirit got a hold of them and said, Shh, shut your mouth, and then, <laughs> and then fixed it. That's how he talks. But... Uh, but I'm telling you, there was, there, there was opportunity for offense there. But who didn't miss it? The woman. And because she didn't miss it, she wasn't offended by what was happening. She was actually drawn in. She said, tell me about this water that I, never have, that I can drink once and never be thirsty again. How do you know that I've had many husbands and the, hus- and the man I'm with now is not my husband? How do you know that? It drew her in rather than being offended. It's awesome. I... Uh, I know there was offense. I'd already mentioned this among John the Baptist's disciples when they went to Jesus' disciples or Jesus and said, how come your disciples don't fast? They were offended. They just let it right out. There was no hiding it. They were very offended that uh, basically it was like, how come they have, how come they get to eat? And then Jesus didn't give them the answer they wanted. He basically told them, you know, you're, you're, not, you're not ready for, for the kind of fasting that they're going to do. You can bet that many were offended when Jesus chose to go eat at Zacchaeus' house. Why didn't he ask to go to Peter's house? Andrew's house or any of his close confidants and followers? Zacchaeus, and you see his disciples be like, oh, Lord, we didn't tell you who that is. (laughs) That's the tax collector. (laughs) No, 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 no. He's like, no, come on down. You wee man, going to your house. (laughs) It's in the Bible. The Pharisees, all but one that we know of, Nicodemus. I'm I'm holding out that we're going to see Nicodemus in heaven. I'm serious. Kyle and I talked a lot about this the last few weeks, but the Pharisees missed the Messiah. Listen to this, that they were actively waiting for. The Pharisees spoke about Messiah daily, if not hourly. They were waiting for Messiah, the Deliverer. And because he did not come in the package that they had conjured up in their mind, they completely, they didn't just miss him, they rejected and murdered him. And I'm telling you, these Pharisees were way more religious than any of you. And then me. They were devout. All of their moments of their days were spent in service to God. Now, I'm not saying they have issues. I'm just saying, if anyone was going to get it, if anyone was going to see Jesus when he came, it was going to be them. And they missed him the most. That's the kingdom. Kyle and I were talking. Jesus had 12 disciples. And 11 of them made it. Right? That's pretty good odds, 11 out of 12 for the son of, son of God. But there were a lot more Pharisees 
and only one of them made it that we know of. And it's just, it's amazing how if you would have looked at it culturally, it should have been the other way around, but it wasn't. And I'm telling you that just because you sit in church doesn't mean you can't miss the new wine when it's poured out. So we have to be careful. But there's a lot of good news. That wasn't, and don't be afraid, just be careful. Um, the Pharisees spilled the new wine, and they spilled his blood all over. All, I mean, just like Jesus said, this cup of wine is the new blood, or new covenant in my blood, and they hung him on the cross. They hadn't actively worked to live unoffended, because when he came, he came in a way that offended them. If they had set themselves up to live unoffended, as I believe Nicodemus had, by the way that he came to Jesus and inquired, by the way that he talked to his brothers, the Pharisees, and said, hey, whoa, we need to listen. They all missed it. Here's some modern-day examples, just in closing here. Because if I love looking at the life of Jesus, okay? But some, sometimes, even for some of us here, it's, it's, sometimes it's, it's just removed. It's because it's 2,000-year-old information when we read here. It's, I believe it's alive and, and current. But it, just in case we need some modern examples, these are hypothetical, but um, maybe not so much. Of everything I just mentioned, that something is possible, right? With God, all things are possible. Do you believe that? Yeah. Okay. Well, tell that to your heart and your brain as a start for actively working to live unoffended. So we teach our kids, I teach Seb, that nothing's impossible with God. Last night I'm putting it in bed. He's like, Dad, I have a question. How come people don't live to be over 900 years old like Noah anymore? I'm like, bro, it's bedtime. <laughs> Get a pen. No, I'm like, we talked, we talked, we talked. And he goes, well, he goes, does God ever make someone live that long now to, like if he has a, a purpose to accomplish through them? And I said, bro, not that I know of. I said, you know, there's people that live to be 120 and something, you know, those are pretty old. And um, we talked and he goes, well, you know, he could. And I said, you're darn right. <laughs> he absolutely could. Whew, sorry. <laughs> All right. What if someone's, everyone leaves church today? Okay, we pray for the sick here. We don't see anything really happen. Everyone leaves, and one person stays, and that person has a tumor, and after everyone leaves, the tumor melts off. I, we would rejoice. I know that. I know you guys. But I know there would be opportunity for offense of why didn't that happen while we were all here praying. It's similar to what happened at the wedding with the wine. What if uh, one of the crazy, psychotic, homeless prostitutes downtown who many of you or most of you, maybe even rightfully so, go out of your way to avoid. What if one of them got delivered and then we're up here leading worship with Rachel next week? Because that's kind of what happened with Mary. What if you're hosting a huge event in your house and you asked your number one helper, your closest friend, your closest confidant, whoever you, know, you want to do projects with, you asked them to come help you. And then right when it was crunch time and you needed them the most, you looked over and they were just sitting in a pile of their own tears, weeping with the Lord with an upper room set on in, the, in your living room. 
And you're like, what's your problem? And they're just encountering God by themselves, just weeping, and you need all this help because people are coming, and there's stuff coming out of the oven, it's burning, and then this isn't done, and this isn't done, and this isn't done. And they're just over there like, in tears on the ground. Would you be offended? Because that's what happened with Martha. What if you saw me go up and sit next to a transvestite sitting outside, I have a long, friendly conversation with them, and then I give them a word of knowledge, and they run away and go tell all their transvestite friends, and all of them come and get saved, and they want to come to church, but they haven't quite figured out how to live their life in accordance with, with how Jesus would do it. They haven't, they haven't been to- totally delivered, saved. They haven't been totally delivered from the old lifestyle yet, but they're all here. They don't know, lady boys that don't know how to dress yet. Would you be offended? Mm. That's what happened with the woman at the well. What if people started to leave their prayer groups and small groups and Bible studies and home groups and they left and they joined another one and the reason was because they thought the old one was operating under an old wineskin. What if Pastor Glenn and Suzanne asked someone like Nancy Pelosi to host our next baptism at her house? <laughs> Not sure. <laughs> How, hopefully she's the first one in line. Seriously, though, think about it. Think about the implications. Because that's what happened when Jesus said, I'm meeting at your house, Zacchaeus. I bet people laughed the same way. I'm not, I mean, I think it's funny, too. But I bet people did have the exact same reaction 2,000 years ago. The exact same reaction, like, Zacchaeus, that's funny. And he went and gave everybody's money back. Plus. I promise you, because I was one of these people that in 1994, when the Lord started to show up in a new way in Toronto and Brownsville and Pensacola, that a lot of people got offended. I was one of those people that got offended and stayed offended for a long time because many labeled that as not being God. Can't be God. They're just rolling around laughing. Yeah, and then they get up and go start 10,000 churches and save 20 million people. I don't care if they run around naked on the roof, if that's the result. I know that I've talked to many people that were offended, that were at Toronto, mm. that believed in all the stuff, that were still offended, mm. that were sitting in Metro, or not Metro, airport, airport Vineyard Fellowship when all this started happening. They're sitting in the room, and they went, no. And they were set up to receive it better than anybody, maybe. Only those who had their hearts set to be unoffended were able to receive the new wine when it began to be poured out. Everyone else had leaky, leaky vessels, old wineskins. I was one of them. But I patched it up and got a new one. I just try to keep it new. Here's some, just a few practical steps. Really, the most practical step is, is just to look at Jesus. 
Because if your eyes are on him, then we'll be able, then we're watching what he's doing, then we won't be distracted by what he's not doing or what others around us are doing. I know that's hard in a busy world, in a loud world, but if you take the time and carve out the time every day, keep your eyes focused on him. I mean, we, Kaylee, we, we do it. We do it. We ignore the things that need to be ignored to the best of our ability that are going on in this world. Okay? We pay attention where we try to pay attention where we're supposed to pay attention. Because you don't just ignore everything bad and look at everything good. That's not it. I'm not saying do that. But I am saying there's a whole lot of noise. And if you have, you know, most of you, you know, know how to tune a radio. My kids don't. But most of you know how to tune a radio. And you can get a whole lot of noise feedback static until you get to the right channel. And there's sometimes it's just a little like a sixteenth of an inch. Is all the difference between and it coming in clear. And so it's purposeful, purposeful focus on Jesus that's going to help you to drown out the stuff that's going to confuse you and set you up to be offended as, as the new wine is being poured out. Not when, as the new wine is being poured out. Because it, it will look different. It will look new and it will offend a lot of people. That's just what we know. Now, I don't know how it's going to look or who it's going to offend or to what degree it's going to be poured out. I don't know that. But I try to make my heart ready to the best of my ability to receive it, and I encourage you to do the same. So here's just a few things you can do as we close. Number one, just ask the Lord in your prayer time. Ask the Lord what ways, means, or methods of life and ministry are now being surpassed, meaning if you've done something the same way your whole life and you see it all of a sudden, all of a sudden it doesn't have the same effect as it used to, it's the, it's the homage, right? If it ain't broke, don't fix it. What I always say is if it's broke, definitely fix it, okay? So, so like if, if, if you, it's like, well, I did it this way for years and now all of a sudden it's just, and it's really easy to just put an explanation. Well, it's just a new season. My prayers don't get answered in this season. God doesn't heal. God, God was in a healing season then, but now he's not. I'll tell you what, it's always health season with God. God my, with the friend that I mentioned that sent me the dream earlier, he's walking in Scotland as a missionary one time, and he's ha- seen all these people healed, and he's just all excited. He's like, Lord, thank you so much that we're in a healing season. He's walking down the road, and the Holy Spirit speaks audibly to him and goes, I don't heal in seasons. So we ask the Lord, what ways, means, or methods of life and ministry are now being surpassed? Meaning, Lord, what's the new thing? What do we, what, is there a way that we've done things that we need to lay down and learn a new way? And that's what we all love doing, learning new ways to do things. Ask the, number two, ask the Lord what strategies that he has for us to embrace. Because there is strategy in the kingdom. and There is strategy in life. Lord, how do I reach my neighbor? What's the strategy? Okay, 20 years ago, I knock on his door, I hand him a track, I tell him he's going to hell if he doesn't repent. And run. Oh, please, no. But, but, we, but we say, Lord, what is it? What is, how do I pray for him? What's the strategy? And then you humbly embrace the new strategy with joy that he gives you. And if no one's ever done it, you're like, Lord, this is, this is a strategy I've never heard of before. That's what you just asked for, a new strategy. Number three, ask the Holy Spirit, to show you what he's doing because he's your friend. He loves to let us in on things that he's doing. He loves to reveal secrets. When, when I know I've shared this before, 
when the Lord, and the scripture says, you know, an angel of the Lord, the Lord, I think it was Jesus incarnate in the Old Testament, goes to Abram, or Abraham to tell Sarah, that, hey, next, next year, when, I, when it's this time, you'll be with a son. And remember, Sarah laughs, right? So you remember that story? They, he sees visitors come in, and he kills the fattened cat, and he puts on a spread for them. They barbecue, and they talk, and he gives them this prophetic word about his wife, and he's like, uh, well, I'll still cook for you, but that's weird. And then he walks with them out of town, and the, the Bible says that the Lord says to himself, shall I reveal to Abraham what I'm about to do concerning Sodom and Gomorrah? Mm. So the planned revelation was for him to go tell them about the son, right? Sarah's going to be pregnant in a year, right? Or have, have a son with her in a year. That was a planned revelation. But because Abraham is a friend of God, as they're leaving and he's walking him out of the camp, the Lord says to himself, see this, should I tell Abraham what I'm about to do? And then he does. And because he does, Abraham pleads for the life of his nephew and the Lord receives the plea and spares Lot and his family. You guys know that there was only one righteous person in Sodom and Gomorrah. It was Lot. The rest of his relatives were not considered righteous. The Bible doesn't say that. The Bible says Lot. And God spared his family because of Lot. But God spared Lot because of Abraham. And Abraham had a chance to plea because he was friends with the Lord. And the Lord had an unplanned revelation in his heart and said, well, because you're my friend, I'm just going to tell you. So the Holy Spirit wants to reveal things to you. And I encourage you to ask the Lord, what are you doing? What's the new wine look like? Is that you? Is that you? What do I accept? What do I reject? Because the lines are going to get foggier, right? And the noise is going to get louder. But the power doesn't change. The source doesn't change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. But the way that it manifests will look different. So I encourage you, ask him to show you and let you in on what some of those things are. Would you stand this morning? Did this make sense? That's good. <laughs> it's always a win. I just want to pray over all of us this morning that we'd have the grace to be able to yield all of our hearts, to be able to live unoffended no matter what it looks like. One of the things that my buddy texted me and said, how would we respond if a, if a female, liberal, professing Christian was leading our country? How would the church respond? I was like, oh, I have to work on my heart. It, but those are the kind of questions. Do those things. Practice situations. Practice situations where you'd be offended and say, Lord, go in there and heal anything that doesn't need to be there. You still plea and pray for the thing. You still fight for righteousness. Okay? You still fight for morality. You still fight for life. You still fight for biblical principles. You fight for all that stuff. But don't set yourself up to be offended and bitter because then you'll miss what God's actually doing. And you're not God. Neither am I. All right, let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for the new wine. And Lord, we, we just say and agree together here, pour it out. Don't hold back. Pour it out. We want it and make us ready to receive it. Father, I pray, Lord, you would help us, help me to identify today, because t the time is now, to identify today where I'm carrying around an old wineskin asking for new wine in it. And because of your love and grace and mercy towards me, you're not pouring it out because you know I'm just going to spill it. Lord, would you show me 
Show me where I said, I, I've, I've gotten new wineskins in all these areas, but I'm holding on to one or two old ones. Show me which ones those ones are because I don't want to spill any of it. It's from you. And Lord, I ask you to pour, pour out without measure. Pour out your spirit on your church. Pour out your spirit on our nation, Lord. Father, we need you. We need you now more than ever. And tomorrow, we'll need you now more than ever. And the next day, now more than ever. More than today. Father, I pray for a grace right now, a grace of humility to be able to receive conviction and correction from you, Holy Spirit, where we're holding on to old ways of thinking, old wineskins. Lord, that we would be able to, to not, be, not be so captured and entrapped in a religious spirit, Father, but that we would, that we would fully yield with love and with thanksgiving what it is you're saying, what it is you're doing, what's in your heart for this time. So we pray your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven right now. In Jesus' name.